Welcome to the Gateway Church Podcast. We're so glad that you're here. We pray God speaks to you through this message and through His Word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Now let's tune in to this week's message. If you've got a Bible, I want you to open up to Matthew chapter 6. If you've been at this church for any period of time, you know this is my favorite chapter in the New Testament. And so I frequently, on an annual basis, talk about something in this chapter, especially uh, a particular few verses, which since we're talking about one of my favorite subjects, which is prayer, and you weren't here last week, you can go back and listen to last week's message entitled The Perfect Time to Pray, that now is the perfect time to pray, not the perfect time to post, it's the perfect time to pray. Every time you see something new in the news, it's not time to post, it's time to pray. And one of the reasons we're tackling this before we go into our new series, where we'll spend the rest of this year, uh, our series entitled Resilient, one of the reasons we're covering prayer these two weeks is a people of prayer are a people with power. But a people apart from prayer are completely powerless people. Now is not the time to neglect our relational conversation with the God of the universe. The title of this week's message is A Better Way to Pray. Now understand I am not saying that I know a way that you don't know. For many of you, I'm gonna share some things that you've probably heard before, but here's what I would say. Uh, in, In the same way that every once in a while I will just say a part of my vows to my wife that I haven't said in a really long time and it, and it causes her to light up in her heart when there's an aspect of prayer that I haven't experienced with the Lord in a really long time. He lights up when I dive back into it. And so we're gonna, we're gonna talk about a lot of these areas, but as we jump into this last half of the message, here's my challenge to you, okay? I ended last week's message encouraging you to go a little bit further, a little bit deeper in your prayer life with the Lord. This week, in this message, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to illuminate one of the options on the menu. This will make more sense in the second point. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to illuminate one of the options on the prayer menu I'm gonna give you that you would walk out for the next seven days, okay? All right, so that means take really good notes so that you know the options you have to choose from, all right? Here's the first thing when we talk about a better way to pray, and I'm really, really big on this. Point number one, decide where your special place is. Decide where your special place is. If prayer is going to be special, it needs to happen consistently in a very special place. I remember when we bought our house here in Scottsdale and the Lord said, there's a room in this house in this season of your life that I want you to make for just the two of us. I don't want you to to work in that room. I don't want you to to study, do messages. I, I want this to be our space. I said, okay, great. He said, no emails, no texts, no phone calls. This is just our special space. Question. Have you ever had a special place with the Lord? Did you even know he wants to have a special place with you? Now, does that mean you can only have your prayer time in one place? No. 
But let me just kind of liken this to a very special thing in my marriage. Physical intimacy typically happens in one special place. It doesn't mean if we're traveling, it doesn't happen there. It just means that my wife knows there's something special about this space that is not for anybody else but you. Okay, I need to see wherever my special place with the Lord is just like that. This is our place. Matthew chapter six, verse five, Jesus is teaching us as his disciples on prayer. He says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly out on the street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see or hear them. I tell you the truth, that's all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, Preston, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. It's a special place in private, me and him. Your private place with him is his personal audience with you. That's why it's not just meant to be special to you, it's special to him. In scripture, in the Old Testament, it was called the most holy place, the place where God's presence was manifest. And sometimes I think we take this too lightly that we can experience the most holy place in our own holy of holies, in our own homes. Do you have a special place? If you don't, find a special place. And here's what I, I would challenge you to do. Try and find a place that isn't used for anything else. For instance, if in your home you have a formal dining room, you and I both know you don't use it. Formal living room. What percentage of the year do you actually use it? And there's a really comfortable chair in that formal living room that you paid big bucks for that's better than the chairs in your actual living room that you watch games on. You could go into that, make it a special place. Where even if that's where your Thanksgiving meal is, it can become your special place with him. Think about it like this. If I never create a special place, I'm sending the message that our time together isn't special. You might see it a little bit differently, but I, I would just say again, that this is why the marriage bed is in one room, not in a thousand rooms. It's one room, the marriage bed, not marriage beds. It's a special space in the same way. God wants to have a special place with you. Here's the second point. And there are, there are six subpoints, so we're going to be here for a while, all right? Point number two, discern what he wants on the menu. In your alone time with the Lord, one of the best pieces of advice I can give you is to discern what God wants in that moment from the menu. Now, I'm not going to give you an exhaustive menu, just like every list I give you is not meant to be exhausted or to come across as such. I'm going to give you some options in your prayer life. Now, some of you might just see prayer as talking. And you might say, I I'm kind of having a hard time in my prayer time. It, it's just, it, it just seems off. It, it, it just, I, it, it doesn't go very well. Preston, I get distracted. It, it's not that great. Because then I would ask you some questions. Well, what is typically your rhythm in your alone time with the Lord? What do you do? How often does it happen? And there's some important questions that can help kind of dig around in the soil 
to help you discern why things might be off a little bit. And the answer might just be, you're not even fully aware of all the options. So let me give you a couple of, of options. Here's the first one. And this was an absolute game changer for me personally in my alone time with the Lord, worship. Worship. Okay, how many of you would say, I don't really have the best singing voice? Would you just be vulnerable enough to put your hand up? Okay, that's awesome. That's, I, I love this church, just, just honest, okay? Well, let me say this, just turn up the volume a little louder. Get on YouTube, just put in worship. There's some great churches out there that have great worship. Put in Matt Redman. There are all kinds of great worship leaders out there. One of the things that changed my time with the Lord was starting with worship. Now, I'm going to give you an order that, that has worked for me for many years, but you don't have to do this in order, and I really don't want you to see it as sequential. But if, if you're really struggling in your prayer life, then you might try this sequentially, and, and you might find that it helps. But no matter what, if you're not presently worshiping in your prayer time, I think you're missing something. Now, you might be someone that says, I can't go very long in my, my time with the Lord praying. Like I can make it like four or five minutes press in and then I'm, I'm done. Here's what I would say. A song lasts longer than that. Most songs, like if you go to a Bethel, they're like 12 minute songs. You just tripled your alone time with the Lord. Just, just from a mathematics standpoint, you want to log a little more time. And, and I know I'm kind of sounding sarcastic. I'm, I'm not trying to be. Here's what I would say. That my extended times with the Lord in prayer usually start with extended times of worship. Why does get lost in his presence? Why? Because worship is mankind's love song to God. Psalm 100 verse 2 says, Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. I personally believe that worship is one of God's love languages. He loves it when you sing to him. I'm going to kind of tell on myself a little bit, uh, but one of the things that I do every once in a while, if John Michael Montgomery comes on the radio, an old John Michael Montgomery song, if it comes on in my truck and my wife is with me, I immediately start singing it to her. Now, if you were in the backseat of my truck, you would probably be making fun of me, but for some strange reason, she finds this to be sweet when I sing to her every once in a while, okay? I don't understand why the heart is moved by song, but we've all seen it. Think about a movie where, where they got to a, a certain scene in the movie and a song came on and it moved your heart. I don't fully understand it. I just know the heart is moved by song. And let me go a step further as it relates to God. His heart is moved when your song is devoted to him. That's why sometimes when we come in and, and for, for worship at the beginning of a service, I, I just wonder if we've forgotten what is actually happening. We are wooing the God of the universe and we are giving him glory and honor and praise. And I really do think worship is one of his love languages. Beyond that, worship invites God into the room. It lets him know, I want him here. I want to be with him. Psalm 22, verse three, speaking of God says, yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. Think about what this means. 
I sit in this chair, but God sits in my worship. Preston, I just feel like God is distant. Then I got a quick solution for you. Start your time alone with him and worship. He is enthroned in the praises of Israel. And one of the reasons I love starting my time in worship is in the good times, it gives him all the glory. But in the bad times, it keeps me from being too focused on my difficulty. So I start off with worship. Psalm 42, verse eight. But each day the Lord pours his unfailing love upon me. Those are romantic words. And through each night, I sing his songs. Praying to God who gives me life. Worship is a part of prayer. Here's the second thing on the menu. Number two, confess. Confess. You might like option number one better than you like option number two, but this is an option that works. I'm going to read a really strong passage here. Two verses, Psalm 66, verses 18 and 19. David says, if I had not confessed the sin in my heart, watch this, the Lord would not have listened. That's really, really strong. Some of us might not be hearing God's voice very clearly right now, and this might be the reason why. Because we haven't confessed the sin in our heart. Here's another way to say it. We're trying to hide the sin he's already fully aware of. The Lord wouldn't have listened to my prayer if I wouldn't have confessed, but God did listen. He paid attention to my prayer because David confessed what was in his heart. You've probably heard me say this before. What, what would a date be like with my wife if I had just done something horrifically wrong, something against her, sinned against my wife? She saw it, she knew about it, and then I took her out on a date. She knew what I did. I knew she knew what I'd done. And I try and spend the entire day acting like it never happened. Here's what you have to remember about unconfessed sin. Unconfessed sin is the elephant in the room. And the elephant in the room isn't in the corner, it's in the way. When I hide my sin, just like it would on a date, it would get in the way if she already knew and I didn't address it and confess it, you better believe we would have issues on that date. Okay, why do we think God would be any different? He knows every one of my sins. Why would I try and hide them? And why would I waste our time together trying to act like I didn't do it? I know this might sound crazy to you, but there have been some breaking points and, and breakthrough moments in my time with the Lord when I simply confess something I spent too much time trying to hide many years ago. Psalm 32, verse three, if you, if you need another reason, if, if you're holding on, hiding sin and not confessing it, I'll give you another reason why it's good just to get it out and confess it to the Lord even in your alone time with him. Psalm 32, verse three, David said, when I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. Can I just say this for a second? I just feel led to. I think sometimes we think that people can't see what we're dealing with or struggling with. We think it's not obvious. It's passages like this where God reminds us, Preston, when you're walking in sin, you might be hiding it, but it's a lot more obvious than you think it is. So just confess it. Don't hold on to it. Don't hide it. Day and night, 
Your hand of discipline was heavy on me, David says. My strength evaporated like water in the summer Scottsdale heat. Finally, I don't know why it took so long or why it takes us so long. Finally, I confess all my sins to you and stop trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord and watch this. And you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. Well, Preston, I don't, I don't want to tell him. I don't want to confess it because he's going to get angry and punish me. Is that what David is saying? Sure. I have to take responsibility for my sin. Sure, there are consequences. But David's saying, you, you forgave me. And there are some consequences to this sin he's talking about. Big one. The life of one of his children. But he says, God, you actually forgave me. I confess my sin and you forgave me and you wiped all my guilt away. I think many times people don't confess their sin because they want to keep repeating their sin. So they don't want to bring it up. And here's what happens. If I keep repeating sin and I keep hiding it without confessing it, here's what happens. At least this is what I've seen in my life and in some of yours over the years. My time with the Lord. The gaps between my times with the Lord get further and further apart. Because I know what I've done and nobody wants to go into God's presence after holding on to all of that. So here's the solution. Confess. Confess. Some really sweet moments in our time together have come with me just saying, listen, I know you saw that. That was stupid. I was wrong. And while you might think he yells and screams and gets angry, here's his response typically. Now, I'm not saying for really big stuff, but you know, there's, there's some, some punishment that he deals out. But little stuff where if I got upset with one of the kids and I just go into my time and I say, Lord, I, that was wrong. I shouldn't have done it. I'm sorry, please forgive me. Instead of yelling at me, here's what I feel like I get. My guy, that's what I'm talking about. I don't want anything to come between us, Preston. And when you hide stuff that you've done, it creates distance between us. So just confess. First John 1, 9. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And watch this. And to cleanse us from all wickedness. My favorite part about confession isn't forgiveness. It's the cleansing. I'm a clean freak. I can't go to bed without a shower. Some days I take three showers. Anybody else like to take showers so you just like to be clean? Okay, put your hand up high. Let's stare at everybody else and make them feel unhygienic, okay? I sleep better after I shower, okay? That's a physical thing, but I've also learned spiritually. I sleep better after I shower. Confession is a spiritual shower. And scripture says, he washes, he cleanses me from all wickedness. Any sin you hide, you have to hold on to. Any sin you hold on to will always hold you back. Here's the third option. Read. Read. I'm not talking about a book. I'm talking about the capital B book. For me personally, in my time with the Lord, I don't usually like to read books written by authors who aren't perfect. That leaves me with one book. I'm not saying other books are bad. I'm just saying 
it, it would be like Holly and I going on a date and, and me bringing a business book and saying, hey, we need to talk about our finances. Shall I read from chapter four of my favorite new business book? No, no, no. I want to hear what she has to say. Okay, so for me personally, my time with the Lord, I try to keep outside books outside of our conversation. I'll read those at another time of day. But when it's us, I want his book in the middle. And here's a prayer that I typically pray that, that if you read scripture in your alone time with the Lord, this would be a great prayer for you as well. Psalm 119 verse 18, open my eyes to see the wonderful truths in your instructions. This is such a sweet prayer that when we say to the Lord, God, would you show me something I've never seen in this chapter before? Not because I want to tell everybody I know something they don't. I just want you to show me a side of yourself in this chapter I've never seen of you before. Okay, how do you think the God of the universe is going to respond when one of his children talks to him like that? God, would you open my eyes? I've read this chapter 40 times. Would you just open my eyes as though I've been blind to your revelation in this chapter so that I can see something I've never seen about you before? Hebrews 4 verse 12, for the word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes Preston's innermost thoughts and desires. One of my favorite things in our time together is when he uses his word to ring my bell. Anybody that's ever office by me over the last 21 years can tell you what happens when the Lord shows me something in his word. I become like a little child, annoying. I run around the office. I gotta show you this. I gotta show you this, listen to this, listen to this. Okay. I'm not trying to to make you feel any kind of way. I'm simply saying you have no idea. If it's been a long time since God's shown you something in his word when you were alone with him, don't feel guilty about it. Just make up for lost time. Start cramming that book like Ezekiel. Eat that thing like honey. I'm going to eat this book. My best friend and I took a 10 year hiatus from any book, not capital B. We just read the Bible. We made a commitment to one another. I'm not writing any other book for 10 years. There were some years we read thousands and thousands of chapters. You're like, Preston, you get paid. Not at three o'clock in the morning, I don't. You're not paying me for that. Besides, I don't read that book just so I can talk to you. The little boy in me loves to read that book. That's his favorite book. My daddy wrote that to me. Your daddy wrote that to you. Think about it. Some of us, I think we just think we're supposed to go in and pray. We pray the Lord's prayer, you know, and then we're kind of done. We may talk about a need or something. When was the last time you took his word into your time with him saying, you know, this book is alive and active, right? Lord, like it breathes. So if you want to start our time together, breathing on and in and through me with this book, here you go. Throw down, Charlie Brown. Tell me what chapter you want me to read. Well, Preston, I've been doing this for years. Okay, that's great. There may be something on this list you haven't been doing for a long time. But for some people, scripture intimidates them. Don't let a love letter intimidate you. 
His heart is sweet for this book. And when you fall in love with it, it is sweet to your soul. The more we value his word, the more he will share his voice with us. Here's the fourth thing. And this will come as no surprise on the prayer menu. Pray. Pray. Psalm 100 verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Okay, I'm going to give you three little subpoints of this subpoint pray because I want you to have some specificity on this. First, he tells you exactly what he likes. He loves it when you come through that door to spend your time with him with thanksgiving. Telling him thank you for all that he's done, what you've seen him do, what you've heard him say. He's telling you. I love it, Preston, when you come into this room with thanksgiving. But he doesn't stop there. He goes further. He says, but Preston, come into my presence with praise. I remember when he gave me a revelation of this. One day he said, when I was reading this, thank yous are great, but I love yous are better. Preston, when you tell me thank you, I had to do something to elicit that thank you from you. But when you just tell me I love you just because... Buddy, it does something to my heart that your limited mind can't understand. Thank yous. I love yous. Okay, please hear my heart. I, I, I know a lot of us are falling short in this area. I'm not trying to, to attack you, I promise. I know I'm asking a lot of questions that might be exposing for some of us. But when was the last time you told him you loved him in your alone time with him more than five times? in one sitting. When was the last time you just started saying to him, I love you. I love you. I love you. I seriously am madly in love with you. You don't need to know all the right words to say. Again, just like I don't fully understand how music affects the human heart, I don't fully understand how the words I love you affect the human heart. But when I say to one of my children on a really tough day, buddy, I love you. I don't understand why it has the impact that it does, but it does. I also don't understand why my own heart flips and turns and runs around the room when someone I love tells me, I love you. Thank yous, I love yous. But then here's the third, the sharing of needs. Philippians 4, 6. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. This is a part of prayer. Don't feel guilty when you tell God you need something. When you ask him to meet a need, don't feel guilty. He said in his word, Preston, I love it. Holly, I love it. When you have a need in your life and you come to me, you don't just try and figure it out. You come straight to me and tell me you have a need. Preston, I love in our time together when you're vulnerable enough to tell me, Daddy, I need something. And I really feel like you're the only person who can do something about it. Son, I love it when you talk to me like that. It isn't just pray some stale prayer. Tell him thank you. 
tell him how much you love him and tell him how much you need. Here's the fifth thing. Listen, we talked about this last week, so I'm not going to spend much time. This is an important part. The more we value his words, the more he will share his voice. Said that with his word, but it also applies to his personal words to us. Jeremiah 33, verse 3. God says, ask me. I don't know if you do this, but I personalize scripture. I don't mean I narcissist a text. Okay, that puts the word narcissist and exegete together. In other words, I don't put myself into scripture, but I do personalize it because it's a, a personal letter. So when God says something to someone, I act like he's saying it to me. Not because I'm them, because I'm me. And I just imagine God saying to me, Preston, ask me, and I will tell you remarkable secrets you do not know about things to come. Ask me. Make room for me to talk, son. I'll, I'll fill the time. Making time to listen. I, when my kids were young, and they, they, were, they were all question kids, I remember there'd be times where they'd come into my room and they'd say, Daddy, I have a question. And they would ask the question something like, why is the sky blue, Daddy? And before I could give an answer, I have another question, Daddy. Why are roads roads? Why are they not just dirt? Before I can answer, Daddy, I have another question. Why do you love mommy? Before I can answer, Daddy, I have another question. Why do you love my brother? <laughs> question, 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 question. Questions aren't bad. We just need to make room and have the patience required to make space for him to respond, to listen. We need to listen for his answer. If we're going to have the boldness to ask God a question, we need to have the patience to let him respond. Romans 10 verse 17, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When he talks, our faith explodes. So make sure your alone time with him isn't just predominantly you talking. Like we said last week, he wants to talk to you about you. Then here's the sixth thing, and I think this is one of the most important things. You need to respond. Respond. And again, I'd say this isn't necessarily sequential, but if you've been struggling in your prayer life, it may not be bad for you just to take these six things for the next seven days and just walk through them. Spend about a half hour with the Lord every day. Let's just see what happens seven days from now. I, listen, I'll, I'll say this. I'll give you a money back guarantee if you can't tell the difference. You're not giving me any money, so I'm not giving you any back. <laughs> if you're having trouble in your prayer life, just try these six things. I mean, just, just see. See how he responds. God loves for you to receive his voice but he loves even more to receive your response. Have you ever told someone that you love them? Go back, maybe before you were married, if you're married, the first time you, you said, I love you to someone, and they didn't say it back. Have you ever been on a date where you, you finally got up the courage to say, I love you for the first time, and they're like, mm-hmm. Maybe you've never felt something like that, so I can explain to you what it feels like. It feels like the first time I tried to kiss Holly Ann Campbell, who's now Holly Ann Morrison, and she laughed and I kissed her teeth because she didn't kiss me back. Okay, doesn't feel good. All right, 
It doesn't feel good when somebody steps out in love and then they don't respond back. You know what I'm saying? Okay, so let me, as one who's experienced it, stand in the gap on God's behalf and say, it doesn't feel that great when he says or does something awesome in his time with you. And then you don't respond. I don't respond accordingly. Psalm 27, verse eight, my heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds. My heart responds. Lord, I'm coming. One of the scariest things Jesus said during his time of ministry on the earth was that in the last days, the love of many would grow cold. I've never been more concerned in my lifetime for the bride than I am right now. Please hear my heart. I'm not saying this directly to you. I'm just speaking to the church. It doesn't look like she's all that in love right now. She doesn't look infatuated with them right now. She seems infatuated with news channels. Who aren't even reporting facts anymore. She seems more obsessed with a conversation God isn't in than being smack dab in the middle of a conversation where he's the only one talking. scary and it's serious I don't want to be that kind of church in this season of my life my special place is right on the back side of that wall it's our place I don't even like when people come in yet it's a green room and so I have a lot of the PKs come in and snacks for them because I want the PKs but but the romantic side of me is like this is our space but I always want them to come in because I want it to be their space but it's our space and no matter who comes through there, and no matter what they call it, it's always in my heart gonna be our space until he calls me to a different space. The most important thing I do in this church isn't sitting in this chair, it's sitting in that room. And I don't get excited when our giving is awesome. Get excited like that means something. It means we can help more people, but it doesn't mean we're okay. I have this sinking suspicion that our time as a church, alone with the God of the universe, is a little bit lower than it's been in a really long time. And I don't want you to feel guilty, I just want you to do something about it. I want you to hear him saying to you, Come away with me. Come talk to me. I know it's crazy out there. I know you're getting curveballs, but forget about all that. Just come be with me. I don't care how long it's been. I don't care how well or poorly it went the last time. He's always looking to experience a new moment with you. And I think one of the things that scares me the most in this job is of course 
people not falling in love with Jesus and spending eternity apart from him in hell. But the other thing is that there would be those who used to be in love and they're not anymore. That's, that's the parable of the 10 virgins. Jesus says, this is what it's gonna look like in the end. Half of them are gonna think they're with me, Preston, but they're not. And they knock on the door and it's too late. This isn't about salvation. This is about intimacy. I'm begging you. Please. He sent his son to die. He made the biggest statement anyone ever will. How much they love you. Just spend some time with him. your heads and close your eyes I'm sorry I'm emotional I'm just telling you this means so much to him you mean so much to him I don't want our love to grow cold I want to be more in love tomorrow than I was today the best part of me is him I want to do better. I want to go deeper. I want to go further. I want to hear clear. I'm not coming at you. I just gave you six things, six options. I just want us to take a few minutes. I want you just in this moment to pick one. Maybe, maybe you write him a song in your heart and you just start singing it quietly. Maybe there's some things you need to confess and repent of. Maybe you just need to pull out your Bible. Say, Father, would you speak to me using your word? Maybe you need to thank him. Maybe you need to tell him you love him and praise him. Maybe you need to tell him some, some of your needs. Maybe you need to listen to what he's been trying to tell you for the last couple of months that you've been trying to shut out of your heart. No matter which of those options, we're all going to do number six. God is in this room and I know he's wooing you and I know he's pursuing your heart. Let's all take a few minutes. Let's respond in whatever way we feel that.
Thanks for joining us today. For more information about Gateway Church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Have a great week.